Lord's Prayer. We have seen that there is, I think, an order that is given there for us. And the first three petitions have to do with God, with his name, that his name would be hallowed, that uh, we pray for the rain. Uh, We pray that his will would be done. And uh, it is only after that that we find him telling us to pray for needs that we have. And we'll look at these last three petitions. But I think there is a priority here. And as I look at my own prayer life, I often think it's really sometimes out of balance. Um, We can be preoccupied with our own needs, needs of others, which is, is fine. And we are to pray for those things. But we often lose sight of praying that God's name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come and spread and that his name would be glorified and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we need to seek to strike, maybe at least for me, a, a better balance in that. But tonight we do come to the third petition, which is given to us here in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. The Westminster Catechism asks the question, what do we pray for in the fourth petition in the Lord's Prayer? The answer is in the fourth petition, which is, give us this day our daily bread. We pray that of God's free gift, we may receive a a competent portion of the good things of this life and enjoy his blessing with them. And uh, as we think about this petition, you remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and how God provided for them. Um, He provided manna. And how often did that manna appear? Once a day in the morning. How long did it last? (laughs) Just for the day, didn't it? And so the next day they were dependent upon getting this manna again from the Lord. There was only one day that you could keep it over, and that was when? It was the day before the Sabbath. He would provide uh, enough for Friday and then for the Sabbath. It would not spoil. And one of the things that the Lord was teaching them through there is is not that they're just dependent upon him for their daily bread, but for what? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but what? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. This is a lesson that they're learning to, to, uh, they're needing to learn. That every day uh, we, we need this physical bread, but every day we need to depend on the word of God, live by the word of God. And uh, so here is this reminder, and Jesus quotes that, doesn't he, when he's being tempted by Satan. But here they are being taught, to trust in the word of the Lord, trust in God, because he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. However, we, we, we do live by bread, don't we? So we don't live just by bread alone, but we do live by bread. And so as we think of body and soul, uh, God has made us to be those who are in need of physical sustenance. Um, God has made Adam and Eve. God breathed into Adam. He became a living soul. And then he richly provided for his physical needs. Um, And there was a garden that was full of all kinds of delights 
for he and Eve. Um, and, and yet implicit in that is that man doesn't live by this bread alone. But we do need bread. We do need our daily provision. And when we think about bread, it's, it's the idea of, of, of a main staple. Many places, that is a main staple by which people live. When you're in Mexico, you eat a lot of black beans. That's one of the staples there. A week of that was enough. You have it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, it's okay, but uh, that's one of the main staples. It's cheap, and uh, most a lot of Mexicans live on that. If you're in China, one of the main staples is what? Is rice. Um, you need your daily rice. And uh, so it is this idea that we pray and ask God for his provision for us daily. And uh, I think it really is broader than that. It's looking at all the things that we need just for our physical life to sustain us. But I think it's even more than that, that spiritually it is the same. Daily we need his provision, his care for us. And we recognize as believers more and more as we grow in grace that what Paul said in the Areopagus in Athens, when he spoke about this, this idol that was made to the unknown God, and he's going to explain him, he said, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not dwell in a temple that is made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he says, in him we live and we move and we have our being. So it's not just the food that we need, but it is God who just keeps us alive physically. He gives us our very breath. It comes from him. He is the one that sustains us. He's the one that keeps our heart beating. We are utterly dependent upon him. And so here is this petition that every day we need to seek the Lord's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. We don't pray that he'll give us our daily bread for the year. God is teaching us that every day we we are dependent upon him. And there's this recognition that it is a gift. Give us this day our daily bread. And this is a spirit of humility. This isn't a spirit of like little children often, give me, give me, give me. This is recognizing his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, be done in my life. And Lord, I, I ask of you that you will give me what I need, your grace, gracious provision. Every good and every perfect gift comes from our Father above. And so it is God who provides. He provides the water for the earth and the rain. He gives food to all flesh, according to Psalm 136. 1 Timothy 6.17, Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to, be, uh, to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God who gives us all things richly to be enjoyed. Thankful for that. He has given us all things richly to be enjoyed. That it brings joy to God's people and the, the ample provision and the different things that God gives to us, every good and perfect gift that we have, it is given to be enjoyed uh, by his people. 
But this is also true for us spiritually. Not only daily do I need my physical sustenance, I need this daily bread, but every day I need the sustenance that God gives and promises to his people spiritually. And so Lamentations 3 tells us that every morning that we awake, his mercies are new to us. I thank the Lord when I wake up in the morning, I try to think about that. Lord, today is a gift that you've given to me. And today, your grace, your mercies, they're new to me again today. That is what I desperately need. And uh, out of the fullness of Christ, we receive grace upon grace upon grace. So, Lord, give us our daily bread, what I need to sustain me. But also, Lord, give me your grace that will sustain me spiritually, that I may honor you with my life. And so Jesus teaches us as Christians that we must know and feel and acknowledge that our life utterly depends upon him. Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. You can do nothing. I'm absolutely dependent upon him. My life is in his hands. And as we acknowledge this, it helps us to keep a proper perspective. We are kept in a place of, I think, appropriate humility. Everything that we have comes from him. It is a gift from him. He's the one that sustains us. So it, it goes against the spirit of pride, like Nebuchadnezzar. Look at this great Babylon that I have built. Look at who I am. When we're utterly dependent upon the Lord, there's no room for pride. What we have has come to us from God. So it it should keep in place this idea of humility. And then secondly, it should keep in place this idea of dependence. I, I never have a spirit of independence that I can make it on my own. No, I'm absolutely dependent upon the Lord. Only God is the self-existent God. None of us is self-sufficient. Only God. He is the self-existent, self-sufficient being. We are dependent upon him. And so we keep in mind that we are dependent as we daily remind ourselves and pray in this way. And then thirdly, we are kept in a place of gratefulness for his provisions. Look what God has provided for me. He has given me my daily bread. He has provided the grace that I need for this day. And that is a a good place to be, isn't it? That we are humbled, we are dependent, and that we are grateful. You remember when God warned the Israelites when they come into a land, a promised land flowing with milk and honey, they're going to inherit vineyards that they didn't plant. They're going to enjoy wells that they didn't dig. And uh, he said, I I want you to be careful when you come into this abundance. He warned them that you do not forget your God because that's what these things can do. If we get things out of balance, we forget our God. And so there is this, should be this spirit of gratefulness. Every day I live by the grace of God, the provision of God, and it ought to cause us to give thanks to our God and for his provision. And as we think about that as well, um, the end of chapter 6 talks about not worrying. Don't fret. Don't be anxious. We read about that. 
Today will have enough of its own problems. Don't be worrying about tomorrow. Don't be worrying and fretting about tomorrow. Just worry about today and God will give you the grace that you need for today. He doesn't give you the grace that you're going to need a year from now. He gives you the grace that you need for right now, for this day. And uh, so we, we can uh, see as we think of this prayer, this petition, that there's no need for worry, that God will supply what we need uh, for each day, and therefore we don't need to fret and worry about tomorrow. The second or the fourth petition is the petition of forgiving debts. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's the understanding that as believers that our sins have been forgiven, but we continually sin against the Lord. We continue to sin against him even though he has been gracious and merciful to us and we need to have our sins forgiven. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, what do you pray for in the fifth petition, in the Lord's Prayer, in the fifth petition, uh, which is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We pray that God, for Christ's sake, would freely pardon all our sins which we are, uh, which we are the rather encouraged to ask, because by His grace we are enabled from the heart to forgive others as well. And so here is this petition for us to ask the Lord to forgive us of our debts. And sin is referred to as being a debt, having a debt that is owed because of sin. Romans three twenty three. We have all come short of the glory of God. We have missed the mark and we have debt due to our sins. We have broken the law of God. And uh, so there is this prayer that God would forgive our debt that we have towards him. And commentator said, all the attributes of God are reasons for the obedience of man. Those attributes are infinite Every sin is an act of ingratitude or rebellion against all these attributes, and therefore sin is infinitely sinful. Romans 2 talks about, you know, that do you despise the riches of God's goodness and his forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God should lead you to repentance, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And when you think of the riches of God's goodness, it ought to bring you to repentance and to seek the Lord's forgiveness for our sins. So here is the good news. Jesus says, as we seek forgiveness for our debts, we are forgiven and forgive us our debts. And God does this for Christ's sake. He forgives that debt. He pardons. He removes. He cancels that debt. And all of this is looking ahead to Calvary. It's looking ahead to what Jesus Christ would do. um, That for Christ's sakes, that he would freely pardon all of our sins. So David is able to pray, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. 
Paul, writing to the Colossians, says that by faith in Christ and in union with him, that God has forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, what? He's faithful, and he is just. He justly forgives us because of Christ and because of what he has done. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. But we know that even though our sins have been forgiven, separated as far as the east from the west, we yet sin, and we yet can come. We come to our Father and ask forgiveness for those debts. But even as we forgive, then we are called to also forgive, aren't we? So forgive us our debts, even as we forgive our debtors. We are a debtor to God. We had broken his law, and we even do that even now, but he has forgiven us, forgives that debt, and we have those that sin against us. And so here's the the vertical. We have been forgiven our debt, but there's the horizontal. There are those that wrong us, and we wrong them. And in the gospel, we are called to forgive one another. And we know that our sin against God is far greater than any sin that anyone has perpetrated against us. And if we've been forgiven much, we know what it is then to forgive others. And so we learn by God's grace what it is to forgive and in fact, Jesus says, if you don't know anything about this, then you're, you don't belong to me. Because those who forgive are those who have been forgiven. And if you don't forgive your neighbor, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. And so be kind to one another, Paul says. Tender-hearted, giving, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven And then the sixth petition, and lastly, is for spiritual protection. What do we pray for in the sixth petition in the Lord's Prayer? In the sixth petition, which is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We pray that God would keep us either from being tempted to sin or support and deliver us when we are are tempted. The disciple knows that Though their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake and they're a new creation, yet there is this conflict that we have. We still struggle against flesh and pride and sin. We're prone to sin. And as we grow in grace, we come to know that and feel that more and more in our life. We know this conflict between the flesh and the spirit. But James tells us that God doesn't tempt anyone to sin. So this is not the source of temptation uh, to sin. It doesn't come from God. But here's a prayer that in the face of temptation, in the face of trial or testing, that, that the Lord would keep us, that he would keep us from uh, the evil one. This could be a reference directly to Satan or just evil in general or both. Do not lead us into temptation. Lord, you know me. 
you, you know my weaknesses. You know my proneness to sin. You know all about me. Lord, preserve me, protect me, care for me. And I think it's a healthy thing when we feel that. We know that we are weak, and without him we can do nothing. And so we pray with the psalmist, incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with the workers of iniquity. Jesus says to to the disciples, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Psalm 19, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. We ought to fear indwelling sin in us. It is something that we are called to battle against, and we are able to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lord, protect us, provide for us. And I think this, again, is a a sign of, of growth in grace. It's a healthy sign, a distrust in ourselves. A proud and a self assured Christian will not pray like this, that they think that they've got it all together. But those that know their own heart hear the words of Paul and they fear. Take heed, lest when you think you stand, that you fall. And so there is this prayer, this petition Lord, protect me, provide for me, do what is necessary that I might be, not be given over to sin, temptation and to the evil one. And then, of course, this prayer concludes. Some of the newer translations don't have this. Man, the manuscripts don't have it. But it is the conclusion. Uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, here is the desire again as we pray. Lord, let it be your kingdom and your power and your glory that are made known. Shorter catechism, what does, uh, what doth the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer teach us? The conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, which is, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, teaches us to take our encouragement in prayer from God only and in our prayers to praise him, ascribing kingdom, power, and glory to him. And in testimony of our desire and assurance to be heard, we say, amen. Lord, our hope is in you. It is your kingdom. It's your power. It's your glory that we desire. And uh, a fitting conclusion then to that prayer. So may the Lord help us that we may pray um, in these ways, this pattern that he has given to us, and that we make, make good progress in that. Well, let's stand and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. Lord, tonight we are thankful that you have not left us to ourselves. That, Lord, from beginning to end, we know that salvation is of the Lord. And one of the means of grace that you've given to us to help us is the gift of prayer. That we are able to make petitions known to you. And, uh, Lord, make us to be a praying people. Make us to be more fervent, more disciplined and uh, faithful in this area. And as we enter into this week, we pray that you will go with us, pray that we will seek to honor you in all that we do and say, and uh, thank you for this day. I pray that it's a means of grace to us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Lord bless you all. Have a good night.